Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, filth. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> so we're going to start off with John Kiley's apology, lads. It's something you don't often see in either Gaelic football or hurling for a manager to come out. And sometimes I think there's over analysis of what managers say after a game oh he was saying that to take the attention off his team oh he was saying that for mind games a lot of the times they're not they're just tick you yeah. know they're, they're a yeah. bit pissed off about the result they're a bit pissed off about one or two things happen and John Kiley was pissed off accused Galloway of gamesmanship it wasn't mind games it wasn't anything like that he looked at the video Connell and he realised shit I went over the top there yeah, I think he, uh, he did the interview nearly straight away. He could see it was on the pitch, so the game wasn't long over. And that incident, I think, that sparked it all was nearly at the very at the final whistle. Yeah. So I think that was very much in his mind. But look, I it went through the whole game. I don't think uh, Limerick were getting many decisions anyway. So there was a little bit of that, and then that probably topped him over the edge. And he was still angry. And then all of a sudden, he used to do the media, and he just he just let it out. Uh, and look, fair play to him for coming back out and saying he reviewed the game and maybe he was wrong on what he said. And I think he said that today. So yeah. fair play to him. He, he had the balls to come out and say that. But like, it definitely went around around the country, and it's certainly around Galway and, and Limerick that uh, that uh, what his comments said and and the reaction that he got. So he felt he probably that he needed to go and review it and see could he could he back it up. And but look, not to managers come out and say I was wrong. Sorry about that, and we'll move on. Yeah. So look, fair play to him for that. Yeah, it was fairly refreshing to see Paddy. Yeah, I enjoyed it anyway. Um, I do think, I mean, actually, some of my friends were laughing at me saying maybe I think I'm never wrong. Uh, but I can assure you I'm, I'm wrong a lot. But uh, in, a, in that leadership role, I think you'd see it in workplaces, you'd see it in hurling teams in life, that somebody feels they have power and thinks that it weakens them then if they say they were wrong in a certain subject. And I'd be the complete opposite. I think if you show a lot more strength to say, yeah, I was wrong in that incident, he usually doesn't get it wrong too often. I was wrong in that, but we're moving on. And I think for his own team, it's very, very important. Um, I think Davy does it a lot. He deflects away blame, and I don't think it helps. But here, yeah, but it. here's the thing, uh, Paddy. Do you think Davy 
deflects and does all those things or do you think he's just really really tick after a match because he's a bad loser and he just says things do you like I, I think all this mind game stuff started with Mourinho you know when he started doing it and he was like um, you know after a match and Mourinho's probably the worst sore loser you'll ever come across like is he playing mind games or is he just kind of you know pissed off I think sometimes it is. I don't see. They wouldn't see it as mind games. They're seeing it as managing the situation. Like you know, if my team performed terribly, um, they already know it. So I'm probably going to put a positive spin on it. And if they performed well, I'm going to put maybe a negative one to keep them under close. So I think it's just the sort of managing the situation, which is their bloody job at the end of the day. So, uh, but I do think if you went back to Ferguson, I mean driving Kevin Keegan crazy that time in the final, whatever it was. So there, there certainly is an element, but I do think in this instance, he was just tick. And I think he realised afterwards, do you know what? Even if he was dead right on that interview, he needs to concentrate on Limerick. And Limerick have been very good themselves over the last few years of just looking after their own house. And I was shocked to see the comments after the match. It showed frustration. And probably more than anything else, he was frustrated with his own team. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he, um, I think probably privately, He's probably saying to himself, his management team and his players, like, I'm fucking right. I'm right here in this. But we have to put the perception out there. And he knows that that the narrative out there, he has to kind of toe the line a little bit. um, And he doesn't want any more discussion about it. And he can have that in, in, in camp, no problem. But to end the discussion and to end all this kind of media talking about it, he says, look, hands up, I'm sorry, let's yeah. move on. And now all of a sudden he's in training he's saying, look, there is a problem here, but we need to deal with it and we'll deal with it ourselves quietly as we go along. Because the more I say, you know, it just gets bubbled up and bubbled up and it'll just keep festering on. So I'd say he hasn't forgotten about it, but that was the best thing to do for that him. That was for the, yeah. just to just to stop it. And, you know, he, he said he fell below the standards he sets for himself. He was yeah. very honest in it. Now, we, you talk about there's a problem and is there a problem for Limerick we saw the free count we talked about this on Monday because Barry Kelly um, has been speaking in the Irish Examiner during the week and it was a very very interesting interview and he started off um, he was saying he was annoyed with Jackie um, and Ursula on the league Sunday he said I was a bit annoyed with Jackie and Ursula about the state of hurling agreeing with what John Kiley said and they couldn't offer one piece of video evidence to back it up now if they wanted to, I'm sure they could have. Um, you can make, you can't make blanket statements like that all you, or you can make blanket statements like that all you want, but they don't carry much weight if you don't prove it. Um, if they're so strong about it, show us where James Owens made so many errors in Salt Hill, and show us where Johnny Murphy did the same in Turles. They could have shown examples of soft freeze, or were they soft? Now that's the big thing, right? Were they soft freeze, or were they not? Right? Looking at it, you would say that there were soft frees and there was too many of them. But why are the referees blowing these frees? Like, I mean, why is this happening this year? And why has nobody come out and gave some direction to the players and the management this year and say, listen, we all know what happens in dressing rooms. Referees say, look, I'm going to pull that this today and you have to be mind yourself. And if you see a referee that's a stickler for a certain rule, you'll have a chat about it on the Thursday night. Say, lads, whatever you do, don't feckin' do whatever, you know, he doesn't like. Now, so he says, um, um, other than hooking and blocking, the only contact, this is Barry Kelly, the former referee, other than hooking and blocking, the only contact that is truly legitimate remains the shoulder. Hands are going in and the player in possession is being slapped hard. It's not really a tackle, Connell. Right. And I see this a mile away, like Gaelic football tackling with both hands has come into hurling. My understanding of hurling, you can't tackle the man, you tackle the ball. Right. So our referees clamping down on something that is absolutely illegal has 
filtered into hurling I don't know I'm only an observer three or four years badly slapping with both hands like like a Gaelic football tackle yeah, yeah, Connor. Yeah. Look there's, there's loads loads on it there like um, I don't think he was the most consistent referee out there anyway to start <laughs> like, I know we had many a battle with him on the line and Daly was never happy with him like you, you could nearly kill a lad all of a sudden uh, and it's play on you know, he'd be shouting get on with it get on with it and then all of a sudden you do a little tap and it's yellow card so very hard to read him at times so uh, but yeah the refereeing thing is, is very difficult like it seems to be like after nearly the league when you're preparing for a championship you always get these inter-county referees to come in and, and referee these A versus B games or a Fenley game whatever it is and then the manager a lot of times would ask the referee to come in and speak to the guys so he might come in in the dressing room he'll say what the GAA have been talking about and what we're going to focus on this year in the championship but like yeah. in, every year it's something different like it's oh they're constantly, any hurls around the head it's going to be a straight red card you touch anyone you know it's third man in or like we know the rules, like so. Why are they focusing in on such? So I'd say this year they're focusing in on on on, on, on this new rule yeah. that they're without telling in. anyone. But it looks pretty much without telling anyone. And like the best part of the hurling and the most the most advantage out of nearly getting a, a, a foul was the advantage that you were getting. So if you fouled me and I happened to lay the ball off and we got a goal out of it, that that's great. That's an advantage for our, for my team. But now it's you're getting pulled up for every little thing and it's stopping and starting. And look, the referee. Referees are under a lot of scrutiny anyway, so there's always a lot in the stand uh, analysing their performance. So I, I don't blame the referees on the field. They're trying to implement it because they, they have to do... There's a report going in about how they perform too, so it's not particularly the referee on the on, on the field. I think it's it's probably a little bit, a couple of layers above that. Whoever's making yeah. these decisions really need to think, A, do they really need to make these decisions? Because what was wrong with the game like last year, the year before, where it was flowing and, and everything? And, um, I think it's, it, we really need to look at all that. And are we making change for just change's sake? You know, and we were off for so long. I think they they made it sitting in rooms where they were sitting around having meetings. And let's try and let's. I think we need to tinker with this. I think we need to do this just for the sake of it, which, yeah. is, which is completely wrong. Now, look, we could be getting totally blown this out of proportion after a couple of league games, but it seemed to be, the trend is definitely going where any any bit of tippy tapping or any bit of physicality is there's going to be a free and there's no advantage and let's keep it going it's going to be a, a shootout so look this weekend will probably level it out a little bit it'll be a good barometer to see where we are but at the minute it's not in a good place So here's the thing so there's the advantage rule which I'd say hurling people non-hurling people all agree geez let it go on right so I want to separate that away from the tackle what is a tackle? Explain to me who's not a hurling person, Paddy. And there's hurling people be listening, and there's other people like me who do, who who don't are not sure about this. What's your understanding of a tackle? Like, what is what is legal and what is not? From from where I've I've obviously played a while now, and and I've fouled and not fouled, but my whole thing is if you hold on to somebody, you know, if your arm is caught around them, if they're going by you and you've left your arm around them, to me, usually that's a free. If you pull or hurley, obvious pull it or hurley. If it's an obvious pull it or jersey, a real obvious, like where you can see the material stretch back, those all seem to be fouls. If you go high with the hurley uh, around the neck, any of that stuff, everything else to me seems okay. Like you, you, like when I'm trying to coach to tackle the kids, like coach under 13s this year, most of the time it's actually about staying with them and actually, okay, let them bump off you body to body, keep your feet in line with their feet. And then you can use your hurley in your hands to try and flick the ball away. Um, and the minute you start pulling, holding like that, 
then it is a free. But none of that is in the rule book. Like yeah. I've, as I said on Twitter, I've looked at that before. I, I was like, well, what's going on here? Where is the actual tackle part? So I actually thought I was missing the bar- parts of the rule book. Um, and I look at other sports. I look at rugby, look at NFL, uh, NBA, and it's, you know, maybe too minutely, but it's minutely brought down what you can and can't do. And I do think it needs a good looking at. And if we're saying strictly, you're not allowed going with your spare hand and pull their other arm or flick their other arm, or you are allowed to flick it, but you're not allowed to pull it. At least just say that and people will actually be able to get on with it. But at the minute, you can. it's up to each referee. And look, we're talking about referees every week. Uh, I don't think they should be in a position where uh, it's left up to their discretion. Uh, because as much as it's just been their judgment, referees can be you know, a victim of how good a game it is or a victim of how bad a game it is and maybe let off the odd thing for the losing team uh, and, and turn into a great match again, you know, and they're being talked about. So yeah. um, it is a little bit confusing now at the minute. The, the whole thing is holding up the player, right? So it, like you you mentioned that in Gaelic, in Gaelic football, the tackle is you're meant to wait until he plays it and knocks it away and with with the near hand, the hand that's close to slur. That's yeah. what you coach children. Yeah. But the reality of inter-county football is you put your two hands out and you're hoping that you can actually get the two hands around him in a situation where he can't escape either yeah, either yeah. side and you have him bottled up and hope that one of your teammates comes in and now he's bottled up. This is not part of the game. It's not supposed to be. And hurling is a little bit similar to that now, especially the way it's gone tactically where you've got an area swarmed and once you hold a lad up, you can be sure one of your teammates is coming over, bang, over carrying, you know, turnover yeah. and everyone will cheer and here you go. Yeah. That's So our referee's right here, Connell, to say, here, let's put a stop to this. Like the, what Paddy was saying is, is right. I think I distinctly remember us being coached. If if the, if your man is in front of you and he's going down to roll lift the ball, you're coming in with your, which say, if you hold a hurl in your right hand, you're coming in with your left hand in the hope A, to maybe slap the ball as it's going from the hurl to his hand or B, slap his hand so he can't catch the ball. Yeah. So, is that a foul? Probably is a foul. Technically, it's a probably a foul. But it's something that I, I would have been always very, very, uh, very conscious of and, and still would do it. So, yes, you're coming up from behind him. You're not pushing him over that he's going to fall over, but you're hoping potentially to A, maybe hit his hand or B, hit the ball or sometimes it happens where he'll catch the ball and you'll hit his hand and he hasn't got full security so the ball just pops straight out right. so are they fouls they are but like they're only getting blown up in the last I, I, I went through a hole nearly whatever 20 odd years doing it and I never got blown up and there's loads of people that do it it's the same when you see people say rising the ball jab lifting it high people come in with their hurl and flick the ball away that's not a foul that's that's allowed, but yet if you miss the ball and your hurl goes across your man, okay, that's fair enough. That's a foul. If it goes across his arms, okay. If it goes nearly play on a lot of times, but if it goes it obviously in, around his face area and you clip the helmet, definitely a foul. There's a there's a lot of frees now where a fella's running with the ball on his hurley. There's a fella chasing after him, and he might flick the hurl across trying to hit his hurl. He might miss that. And it would just slightly go across the player's body. Not a big deal. And that's been blown as free. I'm sure that's very frustrating for... Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But there's a fine line there. And I suppose that's the discretion of the referees. Like you see the, the incident uh, in the Clare game where he tried it once and then your man had a, a too much pace. Think we gave him another clip. Yeah. And he clipped him certainly on the hip. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a straight red. Yeah, the first one wasn't though, was it? The first no, one look, was... he was making a genuine effort, I yeah. suppose. And he was somewhere close to trying to get the ball. Like Technically, you probably could say it was a free, but... I think it hasn't been a free in many years. So you look back at any of the games back in whatever, the, the late 90s, early 90s, sure. If you're blowing frees for what we're blowing now, there'd be no game at all. 
It'd be, yeah. it'd be just constant free, constant free, constant but do, it, free. It, it, see, I, I remember there'd be passages of play years ago and you'd be going, Jesus, how's that not a free? Lads would be hopping off each other. How's that not a free? And then suddenly, like you're saying, Paddy, suddenly a free's blown and nobody's quite sure why. Well, I'm definitely not sure why. How come that was a free while you let them kill each other for the last, you know, a few minutes? But it, they would be more throwing your body in there and, you know, pulling hard on on the ball that's on the ground and more physicality using shoulders, I think. I'm it, Maybe it's just in my head that it's it's just in the last four or five years that this extra hand has come into play and this let's bottle him up has come in. Am I, am I right in saying that or is that always, has always been in the game? It's always been there, but I think people are, maybe players are better coached to tackle now and how to bottle up. Like, I think before it was all, no, I was never like this because I wasn't big enough, but I was go in there and hit him as hard as you can and there'd be lads coming in too quick and you'd be able to sidestep him really easily and stuff like that. But people are getting very good at it now. We're going in disciplined. You take one side of him, I'll take the other. And between us, if we both use our hands up like this instead of out wide around him, then we'll be able to stop him up and bottle him up. So that right. is an issue. But And there's one more thing, actually, I meant to say. Like, what happened to the unwritten rule of if you're getting fouled with the ball, that your steps nearly go back to zero. I think that'd be a great rule if they brought it in formally. Whereas, do you know yourself, you'd be soloing with it, that'd be pulling you back, and then you could take maybe four or five more steps with the ball before you have to play it. And that used to let the game flow really, really well. But now we're seeing to kind of away from that, that if a guy is getting fouled, it's the advantage was brought back straight away. And I think if, if we're thinking about that, it's the flow of the game. And how can we make this flow again? And I think if, you, if we've done better with the advantage rule, and maybe we said, look, you can't, put your arms around a person or you can't pull a jersey at all and stick to a couple of things, then we might get somewhere. But nobody really knows. I don't think... Referees are varying from one to the other. You have no clue. So um, how are we actually, you know, how are we going to know as 30 players or 15 players on the field? Exactly. Just just the last one on this. Like you mentioned the rule book. So the the rule in hurling is any attempt to dispossess or reduce the advantage of of an opponent within the rules of fair play, with the exception of the charge, a fair charge, the tackle is aimed at the ball and not the player. That's it. Now, in Gaelic football, it says the tackle is a skill by which one or more players may dispossess an opponent or frustrate his objective within the rules of fair play. A tackle is aimed at the ball, not the player. Same thing. He says a tackler may use his body to confront the opponent, but deliberate body contact such as punching, slapping, arm holding, pushing, tripping, jersey pulling or a full frontal charge is forbidden. A little bit more in the mm-hmm. football about what you're not allowed mm-hmm. to do whereas the hurling is just it's aimed at the ball and everything else. It's a little greyer, isn't it? Uh, it is very grey. It is very grey. And like when you were talking there there's so many times in games that happens like for instance a, a, tr- a throw ball between two players. If one player decides to go down and try and catch that ball and the other lad is pulling and he gets hit. It's nearly always a free, you know. And it, it, it's it, you sh- it really you nearly want your head red to go and put yeah, your hand down there. Yeah, but it does there, happen. You, you know, you try and protect. You say if, if you're trying to hold, catch the ball, and the referee pull, throws it in on your in your left, and you're holding the hurl in your right. So you're trying to protect his swing coming and stop right, that, right, and right. try and get the ball. It, some people do it. Or some lunatics do yeah, it. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but it's the same as the ball coming up, say head height. I'm entitled to pull on that ball, but I'm also my marker's also entitled to catch it. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's the same thing that, you know, if you sometimes if, if things aren't going well or you're after getting a, a knock or whatever, you'll nearly delay that pull because, you know, your man's going to put his hand up. And if he puts his hand up, happy days, you're taking it off. And that's not a free really like. But in nine times of ten, you probably will get blown for it. So yeah. there's a big, it is a big grey area. It is. Just on, on, I think crowds probably have a big factor in this, probably maybe a little bit too. It's that. How many times have we heard over the years people shouting in our ref, would you stop blowing or would you let the game flow? Like, so 
I'd love to see a full house now on, in, in Turles on the, say the weekend for the league games or close to it and see how the crowd react to the referee blown whistles every like couple of seconds and I guarantee that would probably sort it out as well yeah that's true I never thought like the Woodall star, like on the evidence of what we've seen 49 frees in the Dublin was it or in the Waterford um, West Mead game the, the crowd would start booing Paddy like I mean, when, mm, if, would, yeah. yeah if, if Twitter on Saturday night said anything to go by the crowd could start uh, invading the field <laughs> Instead <laughs> of being on top of it, but one hundred percent. But like, but that's even the reason. Like, and we might talk about it at some other stage, and you might have already. But you see the way teams are keeping the ball. The tip and cock game it was like uh, it was like a training position game. Literally, I've never seen it as close to it. Where it's twenty one to twenty one, but all of a sudden, when you have a crowd roaring at you and you don't have your goalie talking you through it, and you don't have your lad beside you saying, yeah. "Come back over here with the ball," like a soccer match then I think games will start to change and lads won't be as cool as we see them now. But one more thing about that bloody hurling rule. That was probably made back when there was no solar on it. Mick Mackey was one of the first lads to ever solar run from Limerick. That was probably made back around then when you didn't have to think about lads uh, stopping a lad running with the ball because all they did was get it in his or they hit it on the ground. So um, it certainly needs a big, big change, um, whether it's sooner rather than later. So just to just to finish this one very quickly, lads, because we've we've over. Uh, do you approve of the refs pulling all the fouls with with the free hand? I'll I'll throw that to both of you. I'll start with you, Connor. Do I approve of them? Like, would you blown? would you like th- for that to be gone to get that out of the game? As in, I, w- I want them to blow a free every time that I put maybe my spare hand put in. manners on them in the league. You know, with a view of maybe you know reducing that kind of thing. Uh, no, I wouldn't because. If I was a manager, I would probably nearly... T- I know it's your skirting on the edge of, of the rules, but uh, I would be... Uh, I've I, I done it, so I would try and nearly coach that as well. You try and get every little advantage without it being too obvious, and especially in, in a ruck situation. Like you're going into those rucks uh, with nearly a plan. There's always... Maybe if there's two or three uh, like guys there, so one guy is coming... One guy's job is to try and get the ball out. Another guy's job would be to try and stop a lad. So you're trying to hold a lad's hand or you're trying to, you know, just put him off or get your arse in the way or whatever it is. So there's a lot more to it than just, I think, just saying that. But uh, no, the quick answer is no. I, I wouldn't like to see it because I think it's a huge part of it. If you watch anyone trying to pick up the ball, and I, and I think I heard Paul Murphy saying it actually a little bit last week, uh, where you're picking up the ball... If you're left-handed, with the, if your hurl is in the left hand, you use your right hand as protection to keep the guy away. And, and is yeah. that is, is that a free? Is, yeah. is, you know, so where do you, where do you draw the line? Yeah. What about you, Paddy? Uh, no, I'd only like to see it tidied up. Uh, I'd like to see maybe that you can catch an arm or you can catch a jersey. Um, but that certainly you can use your body because that's what you're supposed to be doing unless you're punching somebody, right? You can't do that. Uh, because what will happen eventually is if you can't have a good bit of physicality, if you can't hunt in packs, then we are certainly going to start seeing teams just reverting into their shape like football or like soccer because say, well, there's no point in us uh, tackling this guy in droves because the minute one of us puts a, a foot wrong, uh, it's gonna slow, uh, they're going to get the free. Or we'll, you know, he'll be able to run by us because we can't tackle him. So if you feel you can't tackle him, then you're going to see games like the tip cork game where the most important thing is sitting into your defensive structure, which it would be an absolute nightmare if that game is to go by. Yeah, geez, we don't want that anyways. Football's only coming out of that. Right, we'll move on from that, Les. So the, the Mayor Fuerna, right? So he's banned from running onto the field. Um, so we had obviously examples. The Rock used to, was the Mayor Fuerna for Cork. 
Dan the man was for Waterford and did run in and they actually had a run in the two of them and I don't know did that lead to you know the Mayor Ferna oh it was the Dublin one caught the ball off TJ oh, Reid wasn't Kennedy, it yeah. <laughs> Kennedy yeah, yeah that was him yeah. I think that might have put a stop to it but they're banned now so there was a rule last year I think it was with Covid that one it, it used to be banned <laughs> that anyone in the management team could be a, a hurley carrier and no sub could be a hurley carrier they relaxed that rule last year and of course, now they're all taking the piss out of this rule. So you have Martin Comerford is on the Kilkenny backroom team. He's a he's a hurley carrier. You've now Corcoran doing it for for Wexford. You have The Rock do and Ian O'Connell doing it for Cork. You have Tommy Dunn and Owen Kelly. Imagine Tommy Dunn mm. and Owen Kelly, two of the greatest of all time, uh, hurley carriers. Yeah, like yeah. that is that is uh, that is very humble to go back to a job like that <laughs> for two men. Like that. But it, my question of this is: that's fine, and I love the way they're thinking, and they're, you know they're trying to gain an advantage. But you never break a hurl these days. Like the only one I can think of so far in the league was Brian McGrath broke his, and that was an innocuous kind of break. Like they think they're being clever here, Connell, but are they actually going to get any benefit out 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 of it? Well, the only benefit you, you may get out of it is um, if you want to give an, an instruction or if, he, if, if say, Tommy Dunn or Noan Kelly sees something that he wants to try and implement, he's already maybe radioed to the manager and he wants to bring it in. I, I know another guy can do it, but it probably me as a, as a as someone like a Noan Kelly or known, uh, Tommy Dunn on it, it probably But means he can't go more. on until Hurley's broken. Yeah, but sure, What? how do you know, uh, like, loads of times we would be calling a lad in for, say, your, your hurl is cracked. Right. I, I want to change my hurl or whatever the case is or I, or we we often try to before was, I want to get some water on so what do you do? You, do you go down? Do you say you want to hurl? So you're, he'll have water I presume a lot of them have water with him as well. I think they're just silly little things. Uh, um, this thing about not able to bring the water on you have to throw it on and, and only and then and that water breaks and I totally agree with what uh, Jackie uh, Tyrrell said. There's very little water being taken on yeah. at those points. So like I think uh, that idea needs to be scrapped in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's great. It was great for me near the end. You're getting a little break and you know, you have to trot in and take a little time out for it. But it's all it is is tactical. It's just yeah. and it, I've seen it before. Lads bringing out clip uh, these boards and everything trying to like forget about it. <laughs> it like, no, they're mini team meetings. It's not it's yeah, that's yeah. not what they're supposed to be. A manager no. isn't supposed to be there isn't supposed to be there. But here's the thing about the Hurley um carrier. So I didn't realize uh, Paddy with Connell saying, you know, you could put your Hurley up and say it was cracked potentially. But here here's my confusion with it. So say if a selector wants to do something or Tommy Dunn, Tommy Dunn has to run that past Liam Sheedy. So how does Tommy Dunn go to Liam Sheedy say what will we do? Liam Sheedy they discuss it they decide it how do they tell someone to put their hurl up you know or say if a fella his hurl say if a fella's hurl is broken and he puts his hurl up now I presume Tommy Dunn has to be into him like a like a hare does he before he runs in give him the spare hurl because he needs it to bloody play hurling does he have to go over to Liam Sheedy what will I say to this lad do you get me are they try- my point is is this trying to be overly overly clever yeah um, I think I don't know what it ever happened like that number one they all have the radio bloody walkie-talkies. I never know what they're talking about on them, but they seem to have it like CIA agents. But uh, So I suppose the conversation wouldn't be too bad, especially with no noise in the stadiums. But I don't know. I mean, if, if they're not supposed to be running in and out, it's probably just going to get abused like every other rule, isn't it? They're going to start running on, looking at your men's hurley and your men doesn't know what's going on. But so it's, so he, it's just so, getting tested. So Tommy Dunn could run in, take a lad's hurl, give him a hurl. He doesn't and even run have to take a, his hurl. He just goes up to him and he starts, the two, I'm giving you, I'm having a conversation with you. I might be putting my hands on your hurl or whatever it is. There's no hurl or nothing exchange. And he's like, get over there. You need to get on that other poker. You stop your man from doing this and then he's gone again. Like, right. So there's no, sometimes there's no exchange of hurls. It's just, it's just a conversation and it looks like there's something going on oh, and it's gone. Either, 
and there's there's no crowd, so selectors can at the minute roar on, and people probably hear them without going into them. Now, obviously, you sometimes want a quiet word, but they can. But um, when the crowds come back, that would be very very strange thing to be doing. But I don't know. I mean, it looks weird with just the manager on their own in front of the dugout. I think it eliminates again. I think we're eliminating culture of what we're actually supposed to be doing in our sport and making it different to every other sport. Like we always had, you know the managers there and having their little uh, conversation and maybe a couple of, okay, you don't see violence, but a couple of selectors getting involved and roaring back at each other. Like that's supposed to be what our game is about. Like, so, I mean, we are sanitizing it and I don't like it. No, me neither. They're trying to make it all, it's all about political correctness now, lads. <laughs> but here's the thing, you were even mentioned this to you before we came on, uh, Connell. In the examiner today, it said that they're going to make sure players stand to attention for the national anthem right to the end. Now, players are like ticking time bombs at that stage and the crowd don't respect the national anthem. And when you hear that roar of the crowd, it must take an awful amount of discipline to stand still because you get a bit of energy off that crowd as they explode, you know, and you kind of do a few jumps then and you're ready for battle. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they have to just stand now until the very last note of the national anthem. This is, it, they are trying to sanitise this. Like, what's wrong with... Or they get fined, is that it? I think so. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I, I agree with them uh, standing to attention uh, and facing the flag yeah, yeah. Fine. but who doesn't and do that like, no I, mean, I, know, I, I know I don't even know why they need it. I've never seen it I've but never sometimes they're trying to look around for the flag to see where it is in some stadiums but look let's say it's in Crow Park breaking the national anthem early like the last maybe line or two lines in a big game in Crow Park you don't even hear it things are happening the crowd are gone mental you're just if someone breaks or someone flinches, you're gone. Yeah, like you're just waiting for something to and 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 at that point, I I, I can't see how they're going to implement that really. Like, so what are they going to say? Well, you didn't actually finish that note. Someone could be hanging on to that note for a couple of seconds. Like, so no, I, I yes, I agree with standing to attention, and yes, I agree with uh, d- <clears throat> continuing the parade all the way around. Teams breaking it. Yeah, I think that's all. Like, if teams break it, they break it. Some teams want it. Like, and again you're waiting to see if someone goes I'm gone with them like I'm not going to stay on my own so and if it's a fine who cares if if it's a Leinster final or an Ireland final or whatever it is um, I think it's a little bit a little bit silly but but this is all part of the drama because I was talking to Liam Griffin recently Paddy and the whole psychology with the Limerick um, with the Wexford All-Ireland final that year against Limerick was that Limerick passed by the canal end and walked past their supporters and got the nice feeling out of theirs. Yeah. And then they walked up under the under the Cusick and Limerick broke halfway on the halfway line up along that. And all the Wexford supporters on the hill and like Limerick wanted Wexford to break with them, you know, and Wexford went, no, they talked about it before. We're, we're going to walk in front of our supporters on the hill. Like that adds to a bit of drama. Like, you know, if you're if you're making teams like what's wrong with like this is a very highly charged atmosphere. And let's see what happens. This is it. Like uh, we're sanitizing, ruining. I this is the first I've heard of this breaking before the international <laughs> anthem. Like actually, it would give me goosebumps to think back on like an All Ireland semi final or an All Ireland final Munster final, and that last five seconds, as you said, the crowd is going insane. Like it's that real penultimate moment before the match, yeah. before the throwing, and that's <laughs> it's like what makes our game special it's like it, what it makes me think of is like if we had to stop Bursley used obviously the, the cock as the emblem and came to match and that kind of took a world of, or a, a story of its own but like why where do we where do we stop this like where where have we have we gone places 
that they want to make it look like soccer, like a Champions League final. Where do we stop and say, no, actually, our games are so special? Like, you know, people say, well, we want names on the back of the jerseys. But why the hell do we need them? You know, if you're talking about changing something else, let's keep hold of things that are so traditional and so fun to us that, you know, my when my, if I have ch- children, if they're 30 years of age, they remember it like I did and say, Jesus, you know, he went through it like that 50 years ago. And, you know, somebody else went through it 70 years ago. Like, I think you need that kind of symmetry and that kind of, like, go through history in that one motion. And we're kind of losing that, I think. And it's actually, it's very disappointing, really. Yeah, it's actually one of the nicest feelings ever as a player that you've gone to matches all your life and you've stood at the National Anthem in the crowd and you've cheered before the end. And then all of a sudden you're actually, you're you're on the field in that moment that you've always, everyone enjoys that moment. And it's like, who's going to be the first to actually start cheering here? And it's always at the same point. And it's a great bit of drama in the crowd. And to make players turn into robots down on the field, I'd almost say, forget everything you've ever done growing up and being at matches. You have to do this now because it looks, you know, because we're worried about how it looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I could be wrong now, but you, you guys broke. And the parade that we had in in the football in 05, they just we could before have, we went to the hill, we could have yeah. We were delighted to see that, like, right? You know, we always loved going to the hill, and we were like, let's see how they like it when they, when they come around the corner here. But anyway, it's only a small little thing, yeah, yeah. Game, but but there are psychological things that go on. Yeah, it, and it's it's another little thing that you you're trying to get up because I remember when we played Cork in, in the semi final. Um, there was a thing where you know, that was the nearly the start of where you had to shake hands with your man come across you, you know, and. It was a small thing before and he says, we're not going across to meet them. If they want to come over, they can meet us. And, and they, we're going to look every one of those in the eye and shake their hand. And, and a couple of them didn't shake it. And someone said, we ha-, as we were doing it, they won't even effing look at us in the eye. And we're like, Where, when was this? This, this, was is, this is as we're shaking hands, you know, oh, walking across each other. Yeah, walking each other. So we didn't want to walk across to them. We were, we were just standing still. So we were All waiting. Right. Like it was only small things. I don't know where it came from or who even said it, but like, it, it it gave you it gave you a great little boost just before the ball is thrown in the little small things. But yeah, yeah, they, they, all, they all add up. Like yeah, they do. I wasn't around in 05. I remember when we played G in 07 Leinster final. Liam, Car- it was around the time when the huddles were oh, yeah. in fashion, right? Yeah. So there still are, which I don't agree with. Remember back in the day where you actually got in your positions? I used yeah, to love that, yeah. but I'm a traditionalist. So Liam Cairns told us we're no huddles. We're going to stand in our positions, let them get in a huddle and you're in your, you're in your position and that's your, you dominate that position and let them walk into your position and look them in the eye and say you're, co-. it was just yeah, a little yeah. psychological yeah. thing that I liked on, you know what I mean, on the day and we started the game well, you know, yeah. these little things, if these, if this, if everyone is being told what to do, all these little things that teams think of and do, they'll be gone out of the game. So I, Yeah, I think, I think lining up. Uh, marking your man for the anthems is better than lining as a as a line. I, I, I know all teams only do it as a line now, but yeah. I think it, it adds to it. It gives you that couple of seconds. You know, there's going to be a bit of argy bargy all over the field. Yeah. Like, and as soon as the before that ball is thrown, and then if there's a bit of hassle, some of the referees to go to it, and then you're still giving your man a bit of stick. It's so drama. I think yeah. it's great. It's drama. Yeah, oh, there's many a yellow card I got before the ball was even thrown. In. <laughs> you Just probably me. deserved it. <laughs> oh no, I definitely did. I definitely did. It was more underage when I was a real dickhead altogether. Um, Right, before we get into the matches here, lads, we were talking on Monday about uh, Cahill Mannion's hurl. And Paul Murphy said it's like a wooden spoon. It's so small. We didn't really... Monday's show is so busy. We didn't have time to get into it too much. Like, I would never notice how short his hurl is. And then I was wondering on Monday, uh, Connell, like... I was comparing it to golf and like the shorter hurl affect distance or why is he using a shorter hurl? Like, I mean, or is this an incredibly skillful thing to get the type of distance he can with a little small, <coughs> small hurl? Um, 
I don't think the size. I don't think the size really matters. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like uh, I was, I was a, growing up. I was a thirty-six. Don't know where it came from. Like I just used whatever. And then as you, as you, go, you get through the through the ranks and you go around minor hurls are so important. You know, you spend ages in your shed sanding them down, making sure they're looking well, and everything's lovely about them and then you get a new stitch and you, you try and get the nice little scuffs on the hurl you know from the from those balls that was there with the cuffs or the O'Neills um, but uh, I think hurls are so important now like, and they're made so well that th- that's because they, they never break um, and I know for a fact that some lads are going down in size like uh, especially uh, in, in inter-county t- in teams so if you were a 35 they're going down to a 34 or even a 32 um, now I tried it once or twice and it was an absolute nightmare because you're totally misjudging everything. the ball's going through your legs you can't figure it out but right. I think if you stick with it what's the merit in it? The merit in it is that they feel they have more control of the hurl they have more control of the ball uh, the less chance of getting hooked you know they, so I think it's much and much it's, it's, but uh, some guys really do fancy the smaller hurls and the, and the lighter hurls but then you do have the other lads that are, are like the big long sticks so uh, look, it's it's it's. I think it's very. Paddy probably have a, a different, totally different view on it. For yeah. me, um, <clears throat> I always would have went with a, a thirty-five and and as light as possible. And what's the longest one you can get? You can get as long as you want, I presume. Right. Yeah, you can go okay. with a big tree trunk. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, like, I mean, that that's the, the the thing, Paddy, is that, that I don't understand is it's more about weight. There's no distance is not a factor in the the length of your hurl. Yeah, to, to, to me, um, I, I'm a stickler for just weight. Like, I nearly have to ask for a juvenile. Uh, juvenile's hurling. It's terrible. Like, uh, everybody picks my hurlies up and they just look at me like I have five heads. So I'm not a great judge of hurlies. Um, the, the, the length for me, if I could get away with it, I'd probably go for 32 or something. But you see, I didn't play in cornerback. The amount of times where I've been this much away from not getting a touch on the ball when it's going in over my head. Oh, I needed yeah. something long. Like if, if I had a 35 in 2011, I probably would have flicked away Richie Hogan's goal. So <laughs> it, it's very, very important for a backman um, to have that length. And like, I think Colin was, uh, Colin was saying there about the 36s when you start off. I was the same because I remember the old lads and my father saying, yeah, you need a good long hurley now and you'll be able to pull on the ball. But as we got older, we realised we needed to be able to control the ball a bit more. So it is. I'd see. I'd see. I think it was Kyle Barrett when he came into the tip panel, and I think it's the younger players have it. He had a thirty-two, or he still has a thirty-two hurley, um, and that's just. I suppose I don't know. They weren't as influenced as we were by the by the older. But I certainly have seen people with thirty-sixes and thirty-sevens, and I think a lot of that Kilkenny team we played against, Conor would have played against, um, were long. They were tall fellas anyway, but I think they used very long hurleys. Like if you looked at how good they were to hook and block, I think that had little got to do with it. And I think somebody, I remember somebody saying Shefflin had a 37. So I suppose that adds to his folklore as well. Jeez. Yeah, I think he's right. Yeah, he did. I remember saying it. Yeah. So traditionally, Hurley's were 36, 37 longer and and now it's moving on to fellas getting lighter, smaller herds. Maybe for maybe for the shorter game that's going on, Connell, maybe. But like it's the, easier to control your hurl, obviously. And the, the slitters aren't coming into it. Back when I started, you were playing with those O'Neills and, and the huge ribs on them. And sure, it was an, trying to catch the thing and cut the hand off you and then trying to control it in any bit of dampness or wet forget about it like so that's all changed the slitters now are so, are, are so light and, and they're like they're like um, like like glorified golf balls if you like because they're just pinging everywhere and that like that's great it is great and I've heard the argument 
I don't know who said it to make the slitters a bit heavier. Like I'm not sure. Like that really is. I think we're all enjoying the scores going from distance, and I don't. I don't want to see that. And I think probably goals would probably be a problem then. Um, and I think the only way this is arising now is because of the, the free taking that's happening. It's going that people are hitting the ball so far. But look, I think that's easily done. Either they be, a they 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 just play the advantage and let the game flow, or b you have to any freeze that are a certain distance you have to hit them within whatever five or six seconds, like the, the rule in the football where you have a mark and you have whatever it is, a couple of seconds to hit it, and nearly it would be the closest man to it would just lift it and strike it, and that would fasten up the game very. Yeah, quick. I think yeah we'll we'll move on to the matches next. I think if 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 referees want to blow that second hand foul, people will understand that. But if the player breaks free of that foul, let it go on. Yeah. Do you know? And then yeah. you're kind of you know you're ticking off both boxes. I think yeah. that would be the compromise. Um, all right, lads, we'll leave it there and we'll come back um, and look at the matches. All right, lads, the matches at the weekend. We'll start off with Kilkenny and Wexford. And Paddy, I suppose this is game three of five games. And after this week, there is a week break. So we're probably looking at the last um, game before the break where we come back and have fairly close to two championship games, I'd imagine. I would say so. I think these two games, they actually were probably less experimental than we... We thought at the start, and I think yeah. we were probably a bit naive because at the end of the day, they have five matches and probably six weeks or seven weeks to get ready for a championship hurling. So, of course, looking at it now, it's probably why we're not managers. Um, they had to get their championship players up to speed. So, um, yeah, I think the last two matches could be very, very hot and heavy. Uh, Baird, they're trying to mind a couple of injuries, but um, they are. And Wexford, I think Wexford Kilkenny is always a good one. I think because Wexford are the uppity down in Leinster there they're after maybe coming up and challenging Kilkenny uh, along with Galway but they're after challenging their dominance and I suppose I think they fancy themselves against Kilkenny a lot I think they're a bit more uh, tactical which Kilkenny traditionally don't love playing against um, so it should be you know it should be interesting It will and both managers take the league very seriously and both are into laying down markers so I'd say we will see very competitive game it's on the TG Cahar player um, on Sunday at 2 o'clock Mark Fanning's back in goals anyways lads the experiment that I thought was going to take off in the game of hurling <laughs> is gone anyway like I mean Wexford have a few new faces Mike Dwyer um, scored two goals against Leash at full forward Gavin Bailey was man of the match against Leash at wing back number 5 uh, Connor Hearn he scored 1-1 from midfield against Leash he didn't play it last day they need some new faces they've had some good underage teams um, just, they're sticking with the same Foley sweeper job that they've pretty much done well Murphy did it the first couple of years Dennis Foley he hasn't ripped up that script uh, Connor No he's not going to either like he, he's not going to change that that's that's relatively work for them um, for the last number of years under Davy, and he, he's not going to deviate from it now um, I think probably what we said he probably put the pressure on for some of those kind of squad players to kind of make it some kind of an impression and try and push into the team and, and to be fair a lot of them have done that and they've, and they've put their hands up and I think again on, on, on the weekend it's just another opportunity for I think Wexford are, are in a good place at the minute uh, I think Dave would be relatively happy going to Kilkenny like once they get another good performance uh, I think he'd be relatively happy um, but when he, when knowing Davey when he gets there he want to get another one over on Brian Cody and <clears throat> I think at the end of the league if Wexford get another couple of games out of it and uh, get a couple of new faces that, that are putting their hands up chomping at the bit to get into the team I think um it, it, it's it's good for Wexford, really. Yeah, is Wexford in a situation, Paddy, where they're almost discounting last year's form? They'll use it as motivation to say we're not that bad, but they're almost like that was a, a strange year, and that's not us. But 
I'd say Dave will be banging it into their heads that you need to redeem yourselves. It's not a tactical issue. We're not changing that. This is pure work rate that we didn't have last year. And to be honest, from looking at the games, they didn't really have it. It was a really weird one. And that's why he's, he's probably rightly, as Connell says, not necessarily changing anything tactically. No, and uh, as I said, I don't think he can at this stage. Um, you know, you have four years given there. Are you going to rip up the whole script uh, for the last year? Like two years ago, uh, if there was water breaks against Tipperary, there's a fair chance they would have beaten Tipperary that yeah, day. Yeah, good point. They would have been able to settle that down. But there wasn't. So, you know, I know there's a hangover. Like 0-9, we lost the All-Ireland. And by God, there was a hangover up until we got hammered by Cork down in Parky Cueve in 2010, the first round. So there can be a serious, and it's hard to put your finger on it. Like, where is it? How is it coming? And often you can be hungry after you win the All-Ireland. You just, you were that close from it. And they were. And I think if they got to the final against Kilkenny, okay, a lot of Kilkenny people would say no. I think they would have put one over on Kilkenny because they wouldn't have feared them. Kilkenny don't like playing against a sweeper. Uh, the run and Davey would have had him doing um, and Michael Finley was missing so I think that you know you are looking back saying we could have them all Ireland medals now which they really really could have so I think that's part now they have, they have their stats I'm sure I think Davy had them or somebody had them up that they were less than half the tackles that they were putting in from last year so that should be an easy fix but you know you're talking about new faces to keep up a sweeper situation, you need new faces, you need energy that can rub off on other people because if it's the same forwards and midfield, a man down trying to put in that work rate for four or five years uh, on the trot, I mean, you just get mentally exhausted more than physically. Well, that, well, that's it. If, if any team needed a good work rate, it's a team with a sweeper because you're a man down you know, up one end of the field and you have to try and make up that extra man through work rate hoping that you put enough pressure on them that they're going to hit it to your spare man. Yeah, Do you know? Yeah, yeah. no, I think I think you're right and I think a lot of that play even on the weekend against Slayer it's, it's been smarter in possession like not giving the ball away because you know probably when you're hitting the ball in that it may not be 50-50 so you have to be give hold on to the ball for that extra second and guarantee that ball where it's 60-40 so I think they if, if, if they seem to be on the last couple of games maybe um, learning a little bit as they go and, and, and becoming smarter in possession and, and he's probably only looking for two or three percentage you know so he may be looking at those extra players he may be looking at trying to be a little bit smarter in possession and he in his, in his eyes that's probably all they need to really to really go far in this, in this competition and he, 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 fair play to him he's, he's getting that so far Yeah he I, I interviewed him earlier on during the year there and I was asking him because Henry had Henry Shefflin had been talking on the Sunday game about how they looked at ty- or, or what did he say overtrained that they were overtrained they were straight jacketed and I don't think that was terrible analysis from Henry because like there looked like there was something wrong mm. you know he had to think of some kind of theory on it and that's his opinion that maybe this is what was the story Davy didn't like this at all he was fairly pissed off with this as it turns out they, I think what happened here is that remember when the club went last year and Wexford did this split season and everything Paddy and the whole kind of laughing around the Whatsapps that I'm on is that uh, you know Davy got the hurling on first and then he was going to you know have these well prepared I don't think Davy understood how many dual players were in Wexford <laughs> because they're nearly all play football and Davy yeah. didn't get them at all then so yeah. it actually worked in Davy's as a disadvantage for Davy having the hurling first because he actually didn't have his lads you know training during the football championship at all I think he felt because it was you know he's always accused of different things Davy you know we're talking about conspiracy theories <laughs> yeah. and mind games and all the rest so he's accused of so much I'd say it was the one time he probably had no say or probably didn't want to say in it because it was it was around Covid I suppose it was such a sensitive time 
and people are still saying that he, he that it was his own fault because he had it on first so he probably wasn't happy with Henry but I suppose uh, you couldn't be accusing him of too much. He doesn't take uh, criticism too well, I suppose. But uh, I don't think Henry was he was too far off the mark with it either. You know, there was certainly, but it was such a change for them. Like if you think of, of if you think of Davy winding a team up for a whole Waterford Crystal, or what, what do they call it up in Leinster? I don't know, McGrath. The Walsh, the Walsh winding them up for a league campaign, winding them up like he had, you know, a quarter or fifth of that time to wind uh, Wexford up and add that with the crowd. Yeah, they probably do use the crowd to their advantage, but um, it just kind of all just kind of collapsed, you know, like a house of cards. But I do think he'll get a good good run out of them this year. But I don't know. At the end of the day, tight game in a quarter final, all Ireland quarter final. I don't know how the confidence been rocked just. A little bit too much by that last year. Yeah, I think too much has been, uh, especially like Daly's. Uh, uh, Davy's gone into his fifth year now, isn't it? Yeah. Like I remember that with 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 Anthony at the time going into into your fifth year. Like it's no longer beating the drum and beating the table and and that motivation. I think that goes like after a while. It's now the motivation where the players really want to do it for Davy, you know, and they we wanted to do it to perform for 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 him for staying. And I know they kind of nearly. I think the Wexford lads went down to his house and nearly really asked yeah. him, nearly begged him to come back. And I think uh, that's the motivation now. I don't think David really needs to be playing too much of that because the players are taking the onus on ourselves. Like, we asked him to come back and there's a reason for that. We wanted He is the best, so we need to make sure we perform and do everything right. And that's the motivation I'd say they're using it themselves at the minute. So all those senior lads are driving it that way yeah. rather than any of these gimmickies that Davy is so-called nearly known for. But I... I think it's uh, I think it's back back down to the players now, and the players are taking responsibility of it. Maybe that's right. The big one that jumps to my mind there is the Mead players in '87 went to Sean Boylan's house to tell him to ask him to come back, and that yeah. was in 1987. So they won the next two All Irelands. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Rister taking on that responsibility to actually, you know, ask him to come back, um, like that. What about uh, Kilkenny, Lazar? Look again, we're not reading too much into it. Adrian Mullen played the full game against Antrim, which is fantastic. Only half game against um, Dublin against Dublin. Mullen and TJ Reid Paddy used to swap in and out and we saw Colin Fenley doing a lot of that last year too um, all club mates actually the, the three of them so I quite like that I like an 11 and 14 that can interchange even in Gaelic football I like, I like it just to keep both markers guessing and if one isn't going too great give him a new lease of life you know and switch it around Yeah I, did, I suppose the thing is you have to have those players to actually do it that can play in those positions that can be trusted that you're not going to affect their confidence by switching them in and out. And we played Belly Hill in the All-Ireland and I had the great pleasure of swapping between TJ and Colin Fenley. So it is something that they do. I do like it as well. I remember we did it in the All-Ireland in 2010. I think it was Noel McGrath and Lark Harbert switched in and out. And it certainly did catch him on the hop, but that's 11 years ago now. So I don't know how much um, teams are still going to be fooled by it, but... The problem is, I think, when you're when you're against TJ Reid, you make a plan from in one position, then he goes to another position, so it totally imbalances your team, and that's his. He's you know that's the power of him on his own. He does that for a team, and I suppose that's great. If he's ever injured, though, I don't know how they're going to be a big force, though, and that's being quite honest. He's yeah. might be scoring too much, but I think he's winning the ball and he's got freeze obviously hitting the freeze very very well but as well as that he changes the whole game plan you have to account for him with one maybe two lads man marking him or certainly staying close to him and that gives your lesser players 
uh, more room around the place. And I think they're profiting from that, but God, if he gets injured or something happens, I think, you know, they'd be in serious trouble. Yeah, I, I, I would, there's no kind of word coming out of Kilkenny about the next kind of big thing, yeah. is there, Connell? Like, I know Adrian Mullen's a very good player, um, you know, and he'll, he'll go on to be an excellent player, but there's, I don't know, I, I kind of agree with Paddy a bit. When TJ Reid is gone, Colin Fennelly's gone now, they're starting to, they start to look a little bit more lightweight, will they? Well, there's always been rumblings of somebody coming through, like, you know, when started off with DJ and then it was this lad Henry was coming along, Henry came and, and, and then it was TJ kind of. So Tommy Walsh well, came Tommy along. Walsh is, yeah, but you suppose you're looking for more of kind of the forwards and the things like, well, oh, I yeah. would have been anyway. Um, it, uh, yeah, there's no big name really coming through the, through the minor ranks and, and up to 20s that are really sticking out. And I think you're probably right, Paddy. I think TJ is phenomenal like a hurler and to like to play against him and to see him in, in our, and the abuse that he takes and never says a word and still gets on with it and he wins those dirty balls every time and how many times have you seen him catch the ball in, in, in like under serious pressure and he's coming around and strikes it over on his left or whatever it is or goes for the goal or takes his man on like he's not particularly fast he's not particularly strong but he just seems to have everything that is needed as a hurler and I couldn't speak any, any more highly of him yeah. um, um, and never gets involved. Doesn't seem to be involved in any of the kind of you know any any mouthing on the field or anything. And I remember I tried it loads of times with him to try and do something, but nothing didn't bother him. He just plodded on, and that's as everyone knows. That's the worst thing, you know. You nearly feel sorry then. You're going to give him a slap, and you're going, "Jesus, I didn't really mean that." You know, <laughs> he is. He's a great temperament on it. You never see him getting frustrated. Like I mean, it, but then like he's practically a professional player playing an amateur sport now because like he he obviously has the gym, Paddy, and. He's doing recovery, stretching every day, you know, doing strength and conditioning pretty much every day and then doing the skills in the evening. Like, I mean, he does look like he's on a level above everybody else physically on the field. Jeez, that is simplifying everything. His gym is close, so all he does is hurl. Um, I don't know what he does in his time, but I'd say, look, he looked like a man who transformed himself, really. Do you think about him? Going up the ranks, yeah, he was a great add-on to that Kilkenny team, but he was never taken by the scruff of the neck until maybe, I don't know, he got an all-star in 12, but I still don't think he was DTJ. So I think for we played him in 14, and he was unbelievable. Like he was, And, and since that year, I think he's just come on and on and on. But he's in fantastic order. Look, one thing you can't do these days, there's not too much drinking going on, so I suppose you have a lot less of that going on. And I'd say he's, you know, his passion is probably hurling, number one passion, but... At the start of it, he probably he had the raw materials and skills that not many other people had. And when he added that bit of physicality and that bit more work rate, like people forget he was on the verge of being gone off that Kilkenny panel because he wasn't putting in the effort that some of the other players were and Owen Larkin because his work rate wasn't up to scratch. But when he turned his physicality around, turned his work rate around, and he's the, you know as hard a worker as anyone now, then he turned into the complete player. And probably he's one of the best... Um, examples to a young player that okay when I start to work then things will come in place for me and he certainly um, does that Yeah one thing point, uh, jumping out to me off the Kilkenny team the last few league games Paddy Deegan in the corner um, Connor Brown has been converted to a wing back or maybe he played wing back before I'm not too sure I remember him as a midfielder Hugh Lawler's at three Porrick Walsh is at six and Killian Buckley is at midfield they're like you know Almost like they're settled positions. I can yeah. see for the year, Connell. Yeah, I think so. I think I think there's there's a few key positions that they that they're fairly stuck on at the minute, and um and and why wouldn't they be with 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 sure 
Park Walsh has been doing it for years and okay he might have been wing back he might have been midfield he might you know different positions but I think he they needed number six and, and he's definitely filling that sure he was he was excellent against Dublin uh, in, in Parnell Park and it, it didn't take from his game going forward sure he got a great score and he's always given that option going forward as well and yeah um, and he's great in the air like like most Kilkenny half back lines that's nearly guaranteed they're always going to be good in the air so I think they're 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 settling down a little bit they're just probably chopping and changing a couple of things and I think TJ might have been rested at yeah. the weekend they made six changes for Antrim but like I mean those six la- you know those positions stayed steady yeah. so that would yeah. you might be able to read a little bit you know a little bit into it yeah I don't think their options are as are as are, are as deep as they probably would uh, uh, you know from the bench or in the subs as, as they'd like but um, they certainly still have a good very good 17-18 um, squad that, that'll that probably get them very far yeah. Has done. yeah exactly the other big one of the weekend lads is Tipperary Galway um, we won't spend too much time on it because I want to talk about a little bit about Offaly um, Tipperary Galway um, is this a one-off by Tip Paddy is this like a, a, a two-man full forward line bringing Willie O'Connors out uh, playing your half forward line, be almost shadowing Limerick tactics to a, to a certain extent. Um, Paddy, is this a one off against Cork, or are Tipperary a little bit concerned about Limerick down the line? I think so. I, I think everyone is concerned about Limerick, and you'd be foolish not to, because I think at the end of the day, to win the All Ireland, you'll have to go through Limerick. Like there's there's no two ways about. It. I know they're not performing to their high standards at the minute, but it's very very early. And I think Tip, no, and look, I've talked about it for a couple of years, I don't like talking about it, you know, the negativities with Tip, but they have a pace issue in their team, a pace and power. They have all the skill in the world, that's that's very, very obvious. But there is a bit of a pace issue. Uh, and if you looked at even the Galway game last year, like Carl Barrett got sent off, and I wouldn't be blaming Carl Barrett. The amount of ball that was going in into space in there was, you know, it was criminal, nearly criminal. So I think they're, they're, they're trying to set up in a way... Um, and they're being pragmatic. They're saying, look, we can't invent pace. We'd love to train young lads who are ready to go that can move. Uh, but in their head, I, I don't think they think they're ready. So they're sitting from the back. I, I've never seen them less exposed in the full back line over the last uh, few years than I had the first two games against two very good teams going forward. So I'd say they're looking at that first. And like at the minute, you'd say the big problem with Tip is going forward, which traditionally hasn't been the problem. And if I was a Tip supporter... And I'm saying, what would I prefer right now? I prefer problems in my forward line and trust that we can get that right. But they have to, whatever way they do it, and it might be to play a sweeper, and it might be shadowing the Limerick or Cork or Galway backline, which is what they did the other day. They just kind of shadowed them. There was no one actually hunting in packs. But, you know, to concede a two, only to concede 214 was very, very good. Now, it won't do going forward in terms of scoring themselves, and even they will have to add to that. But uh, I do think playing Cork accentuated it. They were playing that running style and they're great to open you up. But I do think it's something Tipper are concentrating on because if they're leaking like they were last year, you know, there'll be no All-Ireland contention. So that's, that's it. The other night they had Bubbles and John McGrath. You'd imagine, you know, although Bubbles started very well, you ran out of gas. Callanan maybe and Bubbles or Callanan and John McGrath will be left in there and the rest of the four forwards will be blocking up an area maybe, you know, yeah, and making yeah. that a battle zone. And Tipperary are going to, you know, if we can't beat them, join them kind of situation. Yeah, no, I think... I think definitely they probably looked at last year and as as Paddy says let's let's see if we batten up the defence 
and making sure that we're not going to concede silly goals or, or, or silly scores. If we concede points from way out, OK, we'll accept that. And if it is, as we see now at the minute, that they may be so-called an issue up front, but I'm not sure it's much of an issue, but they they have the skillful forwards and they have the lads to come back, at Callan, to come back into this that are going to make that forward line tick. There's no question about that. So I think once they get the defence sorted, the forwards nearly will look after themselves to a degree. Um and I think uh, I think he'd be happy enough at the minute uh, the way the defence are, are are working and being nice and compact and not conceding too much uh, because he knows when the when the weather gets a bit better the ground fastens up um, that the Tipperary probably skillful players in the forwards will, will get that they'll find that space and, and and they'll probably get those scores that they need. Yeah, we talked about four of the Kilkenny backs being decided. Is the whole entire Tipperary defence decided, uh, Paddy? You've uh, Hogan and goals. You have Barrett, you have Brian McGrath, you, you have Barry Heffernan, then you have pa- uh, Paddy Marr, uh, you have uh, Seamus Kennedy and you have Ronan Marr. Like, I mean, is, it, that's picked. That that looks picked to me. No, you're right. And I actually haven't thought to myself, is it picked? The only way they might... Like, Paddy played fullback the other day and Leslie matched Pat Horgan stride for stride every ball. I haven't seen him look ever as, fit, as lean anyway. So I think a lot of Tipperary players have lost... Even even uh, muscle, I think they just want him like greyhounds nearly. Uh, so I think Pawdy could be full back. Barry Heffernan could be full back. Uh, they may put young Brian McGrath in the corner. Now that's the only spot we don't know. Like if Brian McGrath plays a couple of the last two league games, cornerback and gets roasted or finds it really hard, they might have to twist again. But he looked very very good. But a lot of that down to how compact the defence was and he yeah. didn't have to cover the yardage that maybe he would have had if he played last year. So it looks fairly settled. Then you have Brendan Maher to come in who adds a bit of pace and Dan McCormack back into the team around the midfield. And if you're looking at that as you're back eight or nine, um, then I think they're strong going forward. And I think that's the way Tip have to look at. Yeah, Brendan Maher and Flynn I had in midfield. I haven't quite picked my Tipperary forward line yet, but okay, <laughs> I'm just going to see how the lads play in the last few league games. <laughs> Give him another few games. Come here, I want to talk about Offaly here, lads, uh, quickly. Because a big game of the weekend in Division 2A is Carlo against Offaly in Dr. Cullen Park. It's Netwatch Cullen Park now. Like, I mean, Offaly are a Christie Ring Cup team. Can you believe it? Like, I mean, it's hard to understand, but they're hammering Joe McDonough teams this year. And it's something I can't really get my head around because, um, you know, they were relegated out of Joe McDonough last year. Now they're Christie Ring. Now they've come back next this year in the management second year and now they're hammering the teams that they'd lost to last year usually uh, Connell you see the bump in year one Yeah, you don't often yeah. see a slump in year one and then a vast improvement in year two it's a bit of a strange one yeah it is a strange maybe it was something to do with it. he didn't get much preparation last year because of the situation we were in I'm not sure but it certainly seems to be a totally different uh, situation at the minute Um you know Offaly is funny everyone wants to see Offaly back uh, uh, competing at the top level there's no doubt Um but you know, sometimes when when they don't buy in, they they just nearly down tools a little bit. Like, but now but the opposite can be said now. Like, obviously that uh, Fenley has seems to have galvanised them in some in some way that they're all pulling together and they're hurling really well and getting unbelievable uh, results. And yeah, um, it's it's great to see and and I hope that continues and they get back up to where where they really belong because I think hurling needs awfully and need as many teams up there competing as possible. As possible, like I think what he's done, I think just my reading of it and from doing a bit of reading, Paddy, is that he kind of trusted the players that had been there last year and they didn't work for him. And you know, there's only seven survivors at the weekend from the down game last year. He's brought in a lot of young players who are young and hungry and want to 
put in the work rate because Michael Fenley was even commenting on the work rate and lads it's all about when you think about it it's all about work rate and so you can bluff work rate all you want and some managers you know you'll get away with it but if you believe in a manager you won't bluff the work rate you'll want you know you'll want to do it and Michael Fenley says work rate is a key and if you don't have that you've nothing he says there's talent here and the boys are improving but work rate is the foundation of it you know you have Liam Langton who was there the last couple of years he's burning it up he got one I think it was one six um, the last time you have Michael Dignan's son Brian getting five points a uh, new player you have Kieran Burke at fullback new player Killian Sampson young lad wing back played midfield before there's a you know a fresh six or seven that are young hungry and I was tra- looking back through the under 21 championships and they only lost to Wexford two years ago that was the last one I don't think there was one last year or last year they lost to Wexford by four four points and Wexford just barely lost to Kilkenny in the final you know mm-hmm. so they're on a level at that age group with the with Wexford and Kilkenny yeah, um, I, and I think, look, looking at the way Michael's done it, I think he's done it the right way. It's a small county, so he's gone in. He's looked at what they had last year. He's wondering, what can we salvage here? Because you can't always just say, let's just bring in youth. No, he, he tried to salvage what was there because they were already inter-county players. But obviously, whether it be attitude, fitness or ability, he deemed that they weren't good enough or that they didn't commit. And then sometimes you need to go, okay, there's a rot here. This rot is infesting the rest of the rest of the project. Let's get it out. And um, I'd say that's probably what it was: is that people are used to a certain way of doing things. Uh, Michael came in and tried to change it, and probably was alien to a lot of them. Whereas the younger players now are coming in. And the second point is: okay, no one wanted COVID. Nobody wanted that amount of time. But it probably gave Michael Fenley maybe you know seven, six, seven, eight months of just S and C work whether it be gym work, whether it be running, uh, nutrition, to get their body into inter-county shape, which is so important. You can have every tactic you want. You can actually want to work as hard as you want, but if you're not in the shape to do it, you won't do it. So I think, you know, he got that right. He got the youth in. Now he's after giving them a bit of confidence because they're fit, they're strong, they're obviously, they have tactics, they're they're well set up to do it. But that's a brilliant start for them and they needed that. And I suppose the only pity is they're not at that level for championship to really make a run to get up to Liam McCarthy next year. But they'd have to be impressed. They, but in fairness, they, they, Michael Dignan looked at a long-term view uh, and it didn't go well last year, but you didn't hear any real complaints out of them. They said it was a project and they're after trusting it. So it, it looks it looks like it's uh, bearing fruit so far. And of course, Johnny Kelly's their coach, who you know well, Paddy, and he's obviously very highly regarded. Just on, just say awfully go back to the drawing board, uh, Connell, because you were playing football at this stage and when you left Dublin hurling, they were competing with Leash and Antrim and they were on around that level. I remember Leash beating them and they'd beat Leash and, you yeah. know, the same with yeah. Antrim. When you came back, it was a different landscape. You know, you're after having some good underage teams and Dublin wouldn't necessarily be a traditional county, but the hurlers were there if they were coached. So I suppose if Offaly go back from the word getting out of Offaly is they're going back to the basics, they're going to the schools, they're going to the clubs and they're going, like, how long will we give them? Maybe eight, nine years maybe before we see, you know, Offaly coming back as a, as a real force? Uh, but there's no um, there's no immediate uh, answer to that. Like uh, you know, and it's great that Larry's putting a few quid behind it. And yeah, that, and he's putting it into the youth. Yeah, he's yeah, he's putting, putting it into the youth. And look, it, it's not today or tomorrow or, or next year. The results for that it's it's five plus seven years before you really see any results in that. And you see good, any of these good players coming through. Yes, they may have some good results, but they're going to probably have some difficult days too in the next two to three years because of that situation that they're in. But I think if they if they, if they they stick with what they are doing at the minute um, and trying to go back to the schools and, 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 and trying to get the underage back 
working really hard and get some relatively success at the top. It'll want the younger lads to play and get that all get that all going. And um, I think that's that's the only way forward. It was the only way Dublin got out of that kind of rut is to get the Dublin colleges going, get the minor teams going, get the development under fourteen, get those players through, and and try and keep those. Uh, players going all the way through, make and and make it enjoyable and make it exciting for them to play and, and to want to play and to and to want to play for Dublin and want to play for Offaly as it is, um, and I think that that will eventually uh, eventually turn. But it's it's definitely a long term uh, it's, it's it's a long term thing. But um, there's what are, what are other option is there? There's no option. There's what try and get a big manager in every year and try and beat the drum and. and doesn't work. No. The players aren't there, the players aren't there. So let's start. Uh, it probably should have been done. It's probably a mistake that they should have been doing this many years ago when they were awfully were competing in, in uh, L-Irelands and L-Ireland finals. That's the time they probably should have been really trying to get the young underage. But look, maybe it wasn't done. It is what it is. And they're, they're definitely doing the, uh, the right thing now moving forward. It's the story of every club, nearly every club and county outside of the, the big traditional counties that when you're going well, the juvenile always seems to be yeah, forgotten, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? How many times do you see like a team going well and Jesus, there's lean years and they have to do it all over again instead of keeping it going. The one thing that Lowry's money and that centre of excellence and the investment in the underage teams is whether some people are, are, are fans of these high performance underage kind of squads and some aren't, but one thing they'll come through and they'll know what commitment is and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll know what it's, what it it takes to be an intercounty player. And I suppose another good thing about those centre of excellences and those uh, development squads is you're, you're an intercounty player early and your, your idols are the intercounty. You know, the county, you're almost uh, obsessed with it from, uh, you could argue from a too young an age, Paddy, but like, I mean, they will arrive at under 21 senior with the, the, the attitude that's needed. Yeah, they'd hope to be, would say, even if underage, if Offaly seniors were still getting beaten a little bit by the top teams, but maybe they were competing by with Cork, maybe competing with Dublin, whoever, Kilkenny, that they feel when they step up to the level that they'll be well able from. But I agree, the centre of excellence stuff, I personally benefit from it because I, when I was about 17, that's the first time I went into it and it really gave me a fast track on what's needed, the level, the intensity in training. Now, I think it's overdone where kids are nearly sick of it or they feel entitled that, well, I'm on the county setup all the way up. So they're, and they're always, if you're on it under 14, then you're automatically given a trial at 18. I think it's, it's really overdone. Uh, but certainly there is a basis to have that standard there. And the other thing with uh, Shane Lowry being involved in, usually maybe it's a local, whatever, just say in tip, it might be the, the, the Tipperary Water or whoever, the equivalent in in Offaly, is there's no one really going to come in and say, what have you done this year underage, like power the structures. I feel like a Lowry who's already in sport, he's already at high level, high performance, that he'll want to know where this money is going. Yeah. Who's getting coached? How many kids are we meeting? Uh, who's getting paid out of it? Uh, how many schools are we hitting each year, each week? I think that really puts another onus behind it. And, and if you're a kid, like if you're an Offaly kid, there's not many GA heroes at the minute, unfortunately. But Shane Lowry is a, a hero to Irish kids let alone awfully kids. So I think it really puts a bit more grandiose in it. And I, you know, I commend him for getting involved. Very easy to, to sit over in America and, and just look at it and say, geez, they should be improving at home. He's putting himself in there. He's getting his father involved, who I'm sure will be, you know, his link man at home. And I think it can only be brilliant. But I say it will take a few years, but there is no alternative. Yeah, he's a, he's a great GA man, Shane. My father was in... Um 
This time last year, he was getting stints in his heart in in was it where's the in the Beacon uh, Hospital, and he was rooming with Shane Lowry's father, Brendan, mm-hmm. and they got chatting anyways. And my father's a massive golf fan, watches it every Sunday night. All of a sudden, inland Shane, like the father who he's livid that he was in hospital, I and mean, he's sending me pictures. It's his WhatsApp picture <laughs> now. Him and La- <laughs> you know when your seventy two year old father's changing his WhatsApp yeah, picture, yeah, this yeah. is a kind of a big deal. I know Low- Lowry's a Lowry's a great GM man, yeah, and that's a great uh, thing that he did. So listen we. Keep her eye out. Maybe in uh, maybe in maybe seven, eight, nine years, we'll be seeing this brilliant Offaly minor team, and we'll follow that. My, you know, and then there might be a couple more, and they could be back then. We'll wait and see. Um, we'll leave it there, lads. We've gone over time. Um, uh, we'll be back on Monday, and we'll do a review show as usual. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to he was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, built. But I burst out laughing watching <laughs> <laughs>